for those that I've not had the opportunity of meeting, my name is Mark Walker, and I'm the Vice President of Ministerial Development at Lee University. I'm also the Chair of the Christian Ministry Department there at Lee. And uh, I've had the opportunity now for my third time in about a couple of months to be back with you to share God's Word, and I'm grateful for the opportunity. I appreciate you inviting me back, and congratulations on your pastor selection. I know that's been a uh, tedious type of journey and probably one that's been a little bit frustrating at times, perhaps, but uh, I'm, uh, I'm glad to hear that uh, you have a new pastor. I think he's going to be here uh, next week, I believe, William. It'll be his first week, his first Sunday with you. So the fact that you've invited me back either says you're going to give me a third time to try again or I've said something uh, over the past uh, several times that I've been here that has meant something to you. Um, I also understand that my uncle Don Walker was here with you maybe a week or two ago and was trash-talking me a little bit. And all i got to tell you is just consider the source. Just consider the source, if you will. And boy, you guys are glutton for punishment if you invited him and then you invited me again. You guys, uh, you guys really have had enough walkers, I think, to be with you for a little while. Um, I want to talk to you today as God leads out of the book of Matthew. If you happen to have a Bible, I invite you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is the first Gospel in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 14, we're going to be looking at a familiar story. Uh, I think if you've been in church just for a little while or very, uh, or just not at all, or you've been in church all your life, this story is familiar to all of us. And before I get into that, let me say my wife, Udella, is with me again uh, this time, and so I'm glad to have her with me as well. At the close of the words I believe the Lord has given to me for you today, um, I feel like we'll have an opportunity for you to pray, to just take time to seek the Lord and believe for Him to kind of meet us right where we are. So I hope you'll kind of have that prayerfully in your heart and mind as I go through what the Lord, I believe, has laid on my heart for you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll get into his word. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for its leadership. I thank you for where you have taken them and where you are about to take them. I pray, Father God, that you will continue to bring them together, bring them together in unity, Father, and Bring them together as they now uh, have a new leader that you have brought to them. And I'm excited to see where you're planning to take them now under new leadership. I thank you that you are ever faithful. I thank you that your word is true. I thank you that you are the beginning and the ending. I thank you that you fail not. I thank you that you are always with us. And we believe you are here right now. And now, Father God, I ask you to enable me, anoint me, empower me to share what you want shared. May it be from you. I'm not here to perform, Father. I'm simply here to be used of you to speak your truth to our lives that we'll never be the same because of it. All for your praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. A good friend of mine by the name of Dr. Mark Rutland. Some of you may be familiar with that name. He's been a pastor. He's a missionary. He's an author. He's a speaker. I've had the opportunity of hearing him speak on several different occasions. And there's a story he tells that the first time he told it, I never forgot it. He talks about when he was a little boy and when them as a, they as a family would go to visit his grandmother. Now, his grandmother had one of those old-fashioned front porches that went from one end of the house 
to the other end of the house. Large front porch had all kind of rocking chairs on it. And this was the routine when his family would go to visit his grandmother. And it wasn't just his immediate family. It would be all extended family. So there'd be aunts and uncles and cousins, all kind of kids and all kind of adults. Every evening, they would have dinner. And then they would go out onto the front porch. And the adults were on the front porch. And the grandmother's rule was no children on the front porch. The children were to play in the front yard. But inevitably... As the evening progressed, the children began to migrate up onto the porch. And they would get under the feet of the adults and sit around the rocking chairs. And at first the grandmother would ignore it. But then the children began to get a little rowdy and begin to start fighting. And then the grandmother, without saying a word, would stand up out of her rocking chair, go into her house, come outside with the broom in her hand, and start swatting children off of the front porch into the front yard. And as soon as she would swat one or two children, children would be leaping off of the front porch out into the front yard where they were supposed to be. And he tells this story to illustrate this one thing, that sometimes God has to swat his children off the front porch to get them where they're supposed to be, to get them out where he has called them to, to get them out where he needs them to be. And I want to look at a story in Matthew 14, that kind of gives this uh, uh, idea to us. Now, it's not a story about grandmothers or brooms or front porches, but it's a story about Christ, his disciples, the Sea of Galilee, and a boat. I want to talk to you about when God rocks your boat. How many of you know that God will rock your boat? When God rocks our boat. Let's take a look at this. Now, in this story, we're going to be looking at verses 22 through 33 of Matthew chapter 14, and uh, this is, takes place on the Sea of Galilee, and the Sea of Galilee is in northern Israel, and that's where most of the population of Israel lives at this time, and lives there today, because the Sea of Galilee is the main water source of Israel. And this is where Jesus Christ spent most of his time on this earth, was where the people were up in this area. Now he's just performed that amazing miracle of feeding 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. So we pick up the story here, Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 22, and it says, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch, which would, would have be about three or to, to six o'clock in the morning, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Can you say amen to the reading of God's word? Three observations I want to make about 
this uh, uh, idea of when God rocks our boat. But before I look at that, there's something that strikes me about this story. And that's this. Well, there's several things that do. But one of the first things that strikes me is this. Jesus is the one that initiated them going across the lake. He's the one that said, I want you to go to the other side. And as they're going across, as it says, the wind and the waves buffeted the boat. It means it created tremendous resistance. There was a storm that was brewing up, and the wind and the waves were creating opposition as they were trying to get across the lake, which meant every time they would row those oars, because they're going against the wind, they can't use their sails, so every time they have to row those oars, it's frustrating, it's painful, it's fatiguing. All of the food that they had of the five loaves and two fish has worn off. They're tired, they're worn out, and guess what? The Lord is nowhere with them. The Lord's nowhere around. And you've got to imagine, these guys are thinking, okay, this is the Lord's idea. He's got us out here in all of this wind, in all of these waves, in all of this frustration. Where is he? Now, they didn't realize he was back praying. But where is he? I'm out here in all of this stress and strain and where is God? Now, I nobody in this room has ever felt that way. Lord, where are you? I'm in this storm. I'm in all this resistance. I'm frustrated. I'm worn out. I can't row another row. Where are you? Here's the deal. He's the one that sent him out there. Now, we believe God's sovereign, right? How many of you believe God's sovereign? Absolutely. Which means this. If he truly is leading my life and I'm truly following him, then wherever I am right now, he has led me there or he's allowed me to go there. And you may be in a situation right now, just like these disciples, where the Lord is rocking your boat. He sent them out. He knew where they were going. He knew what they were going to face. And the Lord's rocking your boat. What do we do? First observation of when the Lord rocks our boat is this. When he rocks our boat, it's scary. But it's okay. It's scary. It says these disciples were terrified. They were terrified. But they weren't terrified at the wind and the waves. That was something normal to them. Most of these disciples were raised right on that lake. They were fishermen. They knew storms on that lake. They had been in worse storms than what they were in right now. Yes, this was frustrating. It was fatiguing. It, it, was, it was difficult. But this was normal. They were used to this. They knew about this kind of stuff. If anything, this was annoying. It says they were terrified. What they were terrified at was Jesus walking on the water. They had never seen that before. This was new. This was different. This was unknown. This was uncertain. This was out of their comfort zone. They thought this is a ghost. This is not what they were used to. This was out of their control. And see, what the Lord will do, he'll rock our boats to get us out of our comfort zone. You see, the comfort zone is comfortable. We like the comfort zone. The comfort zone, we're familiar with it. We can control the things within the comfort zone. We understand the comfort zone. But the problem with the comfort zone is this. We begin to control it ourselves and we become less dependent on the Lord. 
because we know how the comfort zone works. We know how the routine is. And we begin to take control, and the Lord is no longer in control because we're no longer dependent upon Him. We become less and less dependent. And the Lord knows if we begin to become totally dependent upon us, it is going to destroy our lives. So He loves us too much to just let us die in the comfort zone. He starts shaking the boat, and it's scary. It's frightening because it's different but to get us to depend upon him. But the Lord knows it's going to scare us. The Lord knows it's going to frighten us. He knows that. So what do we do when we get scared? What do we do when that happens? Well, what did they do? They cried out in fear. But what did the Lord do? When, he, when they cried out in fear, what did the Lord do? Did the Lord say, you're just a bunch of nobodies. I can't believe you're scared. You're embarrassing me. I'm going to find a whole other group of people. Did he just write them off and just walk past them and leave them in the storm? No. When they cried out in fear, you know what it says that the Lord did? He said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. It's interesting. That phrase, don't be afraid or fear not, is the most common phrase in the scriptures. In fact, some 365 times, you'll find the phrase, don't be afraid or fear not. It's as though the Lord gave us a fear not for every single day of the year. It's because he knew that every day could be wrought with its own amount of fear, and he wants his people to know, you have a fear not today. Some of us need to hear that today. Some of us need to hear our Lord, our Master, say to us, take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. And when He begins to rock the boat, it gets frustrating, it gets scary, it's uncertain. We don't understand, we may not sense Him, we may not see Him, we may not feel Him, we don't know what, what He's doing, but here's what we need to hear Him say, I am with you, I am in the wind, I am in the waves, I am in the storm, you can trust me, don't be afraid. It's scary, he understands it, but it's okay. Look at your neighbor and say, it's okay. When God rocks the boat, it's scary, but it's okay. The second thing is this, the second observation I would make. When God rocks the boat, he's wanting us closer to him. He's wanting us to move to where he is. What does Simon Peter do? Okay, Lord, if that's you out there, call me. Tell me to come out. What does the Lord do? Come on. And Peter steps out on the water and begins to go towards Jesus. Now, we don't know Peter's motive for doing this. He may have just wanted the thrill of being on the water. He may have been bored in the boat. We do not know what his motive is for wanting to step out and walk on water. We just know He's going out to where Jesus is. He's going out on the water. We don't know why he got out there at all. Kind of reminds me of the story of the multi-billionaire Texas oil man who invited all of his bachelor friends to his big ranch in Texas for a bachelor party. There's about 30 or 40 bachelors. He took them down to a lake on his ranch that he had stockpiled with nothing but alligators. And he said to all these men, he said, the first man, that jumps in this lake and makes it to the other side alive 
You have the choice of three things. I'll give you $50 million, or I'll give you a 500-acre ranch, or I'll give you my daughter's hand in marriage. And no sooner had those words come out of his mouth, everybody, mouth, everybody heard a kerplunk, and they looked over, and there was a man that was in the water. He wasn't in the water. He was running on top of the water. Running on top of the water, fully clothed, all the way across the lake, so fast, those alligators didn't have time to see what was going on. And he makes it to the other side, running on top of the water. It was unbelievable. And the oil man goes over him and says, Sir, you know, I was really joking. I wasn't, I wasn't really serious about this. He said, but you did it, and that was amazing. You ran across the water, and I'm a man of my word, so you can have one of three things. I'll give you $50 million, I'll give you the 500-acre ranch, or I'll give you my daughter's hand in marriage. Which of those do you want? And the guy says, I don't want any of those things. I want the name of the guy that pushed me in. That's who I want. That's what I'm looking for. Now, Matthew doesn't indicate that Peter was pushed into the water. We don't know why he stepped out. But he's, he's trying to get out to where Jesus is. And see, sometimes the Lord will rock our boat because he wants us to come closer to him. See, in the comfort zone, not only do we become less dependent upon him, but also we begin to lose the sense of his presence. We get caught up in the busyness of our own comfort zone. And we're so busy about keeping our comfort zone tidy and comfortable, we, we begin to lose the sense of the presence of the Lord. We begin to grow distant from him. And the Lord knows the more that happens, the more our lives are going to get in, the possibility of our lives getting in more and more damage, more and more destruction, more and more issues. And he loves us too much to just let us rot in our comfort zone. So he rocks the boat to say, come, come out to where I am. Some of us, he may be rocking the boat right now because he wants us to get back into his word. We, 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 we're, we're neglecting time with him in his word. He wants us to get back to his truth. We, we're, we've been listening to the voices of CNN and Fox News and all the pundits and, and social media more than we're listening to well, the words of what he's saying to us. And he's, he's trying to get us back to his word. Some of us, he's rocking the boat because he wants to get us back on our knees. He wants to get us back into his presence through prayer. He wants to get us back to a place where we're listening to him more and we're talking to him and we're walking with him. Some of us, he's, he's rocking the boat perhaps because he wants to get us to go deeper into authentic and genuine worship with him him that coming to church has become it's become business as usual has become rote we just kind of going through the motions and he's saying no 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 this is the place to enter into my presence and he's rocking the boat so that we become more open to him in our worship some of us perhaps some of us he's rocking our boat he wants us to get out of that place of shame he wants us to get out of that place of guilt he wants us to get out of that place of anger he wants us to get out of that place of bitterness he wants us to get out of that place of resentment he wants us to get out of that place of being bound to our past we've been in that boat long enough and he's rocking the boat and say come to me and get your freedom come to me and get your healing come to me and get your joy come to me and get your hope listen he doesn't want us to die where we are he says i've got a new fresh way for you come to where i am 
And maybe, maybe, maybe Simon Peter's motive, maybe, for wanting to get out on the water where Jesus was, maybe he would rather be out in the wind and the waves and the rain and the uncertainty and the unknown where Jesus is than to remain in the false peace of his comfort zone where Jesus is not. I would rather be out here maybe in Simon Peter's mind where I don't have a clue as to what's going on. It is scary all around me. I'm way outside of what I'm prepared for. But this is where he is. And I would rather be here than back what's familiar and a false sense of life and peace where Jesus isn't. See, there's three choices we can make when the Lord's rocking our boat. We can resist him. Just being disobedient. Just stay where I am. I'm not moving. If that's where you are, how's that working for you? A second choice I have is I can resent him. I can step out. And I can go over there. But I do it begrudgingly, reluctantly, griping and complaining the whole way. No gratitude. Or I can respond to him. And even though I don't understand, and even though it's unfamiliar, and even though it's scary, even though it doesn't make sense, Lord, I'm going to be where you are. And I'm coming out in gratitude. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to where you are. I'm coming out. I want to have your joy. I want to have your peace. I'm here for whatever you want me to do. Where might you be? Are you in resistance? Are you in resentment? Or are you responding? Where might you be? When God rocks our boat, it's scary, but it's okay. He understands, but he's right there in the wind and the waves. He says, come to me. I want you close to where I am. And the last observation I would make out of this story, when God rocks our boat, we must resist the fear of failure. When God's calling us out to something new in him, to something different in him, we can't let the fear of failure rob us from moving to where he is. See, the fear, fear of failure is a tremendous fear. It's one of the greatest fears that cripples people, immobilizes them. The fear of not succeeding is greater than the, the risk of stepping out. I mean, Simon Peter failed, didn't he? We know the story. He sank, right? He did. Can, can, if you look at that story, can I just say to you, He wasn't a failure. He failed, but he wasn't a failure. See, a failure is not somebody who fails. A failure is somebody who quits. 
or who never starts. He had a failing moment, but that doesn't make him a failure. Had he never started out, that would have made him a failure. He would have completely missed what the Lord had for him. Is this making sense to anybody? I want to free some people here today. Listen, I don't care how much we go after the Lord, how much our heart is for Him, how much we'll follow Him anywhere He wants to take us. I don't care how much when we go after Him and do that. Guess what? We will fail. Aren't you glad you came to hear this today? Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to fail. Some of you are afraid to say that. We're going to fail. But that doesn't make us failures. Because what did Simon Peter do when he began to fail? When he began to sink, what did he do? Did he try to fix it himself? Did he try to swim back on the, to the boat on his own? Did he try to hide it from the Lord? I'm not wet and I'm not sinking. What did he do? Lord, save me. He admitted his failure. He admitted where he was. He admitted what was happening. And what did the Lord do? I'm not going to save you till you're down for the fifth or sixth time. Until, you, until I have to pump water out of your lungs, I'm not doing a thing. Is that what he did? Look at this story. When Simon Peter called out, Lord, save me, it says immediately. Say immediately. Immediately it says the Lord caught him. I don't think Simon Peter got ankle deep. He caught him, pulled him back up on the water. In our failure, the Lord does not condemn us. He catches us. See, for us, we got to be like Simon Peter in that when we see that we're failing, when we see we're falling short, we're immediately, we're quick to admit that to the Lord. We're quick to turn to the Lord. We don't try to fix it ourselves. We don't try to excuse it. We don't try to rationalize it. We don't try to cover it up. We immediately, we immediately turn to him. It says he catches him. Now, he corrected him, right? Peter, why did you doubt me? You a little faith. Where's your faith? He corrected him. He coached him. He disciplined him. The Lord will correct us and coach us and discipline us, but it's for our development. It's for our growth. And then what do they do? They walk back to the boat. Do you realize that Simon Peter was more successful than he was failing in this moment? He spent more time on top of the water than he did in the water. We just like to look at his failure. Is anybody with me right now? You follow what I'm saying? I mean, the Lord did not drag him in the water back to the boat. They walked back to the boat. Here's what's interesting to me. There's a boatload of people, right? There's a lot of people in the boat. We don't know how many. But there's a lot of people in the boat. Here's my question. Why aren't they all out walking on the water? See, boat sitters are a dime a dozen. Church is full of boat sitters. Dime a dozen. The Lord loves boat sitters. 
The Lord died for boat sitters. Boat sitters will go to heaven. Boat sitters will see some, the Lord do some great things. Those boat sitters are seeing Jesus on the way. They're seeing something amazing. But let me tell you who the Lord calls to do great things. That's water walkers. See, water walkers just don't see the great things of God. They experience the great things of God. God does great things through them. Boat sitters are a dime a dozen. Where are the water walkers? Where are the ones that are not going to let the fear of failure stop them to where the Lord's calling them to come out to see some amazing things that he wants to do in and through them? And no doubt, no pun intended here, no doubt Simon Peter doubted the Lord. He begins to sink. He begins to get afraid. He begins to see everything around him. And he begins to doubt the Lord's ability to do in him what he's called him out there to do. The, the, he begins to doubt that the Lord has made the right choice about him coming to walk on water. I think Simon Peter gets out there and he begins to realize, I'm, I'm not a water walker. I wasn't made for this. What am I doing out here? Is this to say, Lord, you've made a mistake in calling me out here. I don't believe you have the ability to do what you've called me out to do. Can I say something to you? If the Lord's calling you out into something of the unknown, of the uncertain, the unfamiliar, you have no clue as to what it is he's really calling you to, you don't feel young enough or you don't feel old enough or you don't feel talented enough or you don't feel gifted enough or you don't feel trained enough, that's okay. If he's calling you out, he knows what you've got. He knows what you have the ability to do. Is this making sense to anybody? Come out to where he is. He'll either put the talent in you to do what it is he's calling you to do, or he'll take it out of you, whichever one it is. I don't know if he called forth the water walking in Simon Peter, or he put the water walking in Simon Peter. Simon Peter didn't know how to walk on water, but when he was able, when he made the decision to follow the Lord, regardless of what was going to happen, he was able to do amazing things in the Lord. Alcoa, Maryville, the Lord has been rocking your boat for the past three or four months. Not because he's mad at you. Not because you've done something wrong. I believe it's because he has got greater things for you. It's unfamiliar, it's uncertain, but I believe if you'll step out and go where he's calling, as they like to say, you ain't seen nothing yet. It may be challenging on the way. There may be some sinking moments. Are you following me? There may be some sinking moments. But he's there. 
And if we don't quit, let him take us, keep moving forward. I think you're going to see some amazing things. One of my favorite movies, and I close with this, one of my favorite movies is Chariots of Fire. Some of you may remember that movie. It's, a, it's been around 30 years, I think. But Chariots of Fire is a story that focuses on two men, Eric Little and Harold Abrahams. And both of these men ran in the 1924 Olympic Games for the team of Great Britain. Eric Little was a missionary to China during this time. And it kind of focuses on his story. And Harold Abrams was a, a Jew that lived in Great Britain, focused on some of his story. And what you see up there is a picture of Harold Abrams and a picture of his fiance or his wife, Sybil Evers. In the movie, there is a scene where Abrams, Abrahams is sitting with his then fiance Sybil in the bleachers of the track where he has just lost the 200-meter race. He was the favorite to win the gold, and he didn't. In fact, he didn't even place first, second, or third, and he is devastated. He's devastated. And he's in the stands with her. Angry, frustrated, and in a pitch of anger, he says to her, Sybil, if I can't win, I won't run. And Sybil, in a moment of great wisdom, calmly said to him, Harold, if you don't run, you can't win. Where does the Lord want to take you? What's he calling you to? What seems to be shaking in your life? What's got you afraid? What's got you gripped? With anxiety and stress. I believe the Lord's calling us out. I believe he's calling us to a new place in him. I invite you to stand all over the room if you will please. Bow your head and close your eyes with me a moment. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you love us too much to just leave us where we are. That you love us too much to just let us kind of float in the status quo, but you call us to greater. You call us to deeper. And that's scary, that's frightening. We like the comfort, we don't like the, the uncertainty, God. Father, now I pray for the next few moments by your spirit, you'll speak to us, you'll move, you'll say some specific things to some specific people. And they need to hear, take courage, it's I. Don't be afraid. 
Maybe there's some of us here, Lord, that need to admit we're failing, need to admit some things and repent of some things that we haven't in a while. Maybe we've been trying to hide them, excuse them, rationalize them, but we realize you're there to catch us. You're there. You're there. We don't have to run from you, but we want to run to you. God, I ask in the next few moments by your spirit, you would speak. With our heads still bowed and our eyes still closed, how many of you say to me, Pastor Mark, the Lord's rocking my boat right now. There's some rocking things going on, and, and I, I, I need to spend some time just to hear what he's saying to me in this moment. But Pastor Mark, he's rocking my boat. Would you raise your hand and say, Pastor Mark, that's me. I believe he's rocking my boat. There's some things happening. I, I need to talk with him. Well, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to take that step that might be a scary step, and that's a step out from where you are. Just come find a place here at this altar and just kneel before him for a moment. There were four or five hands that went up. I'm going to invite you right now. No other fanfare. Just step from where you are. Take that step of courage and come right down to this altar, whether you raised your hand or not. You're saying, you know what, I, I, I've got to spend some time with him. Just kind of find a place at one of these altar areas and just get before him for a moment. I'm going to ask the rest of you to kind of remain in an attitude of worship, an attitude of prayer.